All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to SaberSims DFS Office Hours. Happy Monday. It is Monday, August 29th of 2022 here today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning into the stream. We have a uh, split slate here tonight, kind of. Um, not sure if that's exactly the right terminology for it here, but six games on FanDuel, eight games on DraftKings. So something to pay attention to uh, if you are playing um, either site, really, or especially both sites. Um, different lock times tonight. Uh, the 4.40 start, at least uh, my my time zone here, the 6.40 Eastern time zone uh, on DraftKings, uh, the um, normal 7.07-ish start for FanDuel here tonight. Um, so so something to look at. It'll probably be interesting. I, I imagine we won't have starting lineups or we probably won't have starting lineups uh, for the three late games on DraftKings at lock. And then I think most likely we'll probably get those lineups very quickly after lock. Um, so an interesting little wrinkle into the slates here tonight. Uh, but before we, we get too far into anything, first of all, uh, if this is your first time tuning into the stream uh, or listening to the podcast version of this show uh, or however you have made it here today, my name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at Sabersim. And on office hours, I answer questions from the Sabersim community about how to better use our tools to build your DFS lineup. So uh, you can ask any questions you have for me that you'd like me to answer on this show. You can ask them live in YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in Slack. Uh, you can also email us if you catch the recording of this um, or would like to email us in a question, support at sabersim.com. Uh, just let us know that you want the question answered on stream and, and I'll uh, tackle that on the, the very next show here. So um, we only have a couple questions in our queue here today. Um, so we'll get into them here shortly um but fire away at me if you guys have questions because it, it looks like we have one about our new slider update and i think uh i'll probably unless there's other questions coming in quickly here use that as an opportunity to just talk about the updated sliders um because i think there's some things i wanted to talk about here there's been a little bit on my mind there with the updated sliders and then um of course we'll be having matt on most likely later this week to come on and, and talk a little bit about it as well um so let's go ahead let's let's just go ahead and get started um i'm actually just going to kind of give a general overview of, of what changed here and where this kind of came from for those that don't know um so let's do this let's do slider update um is where we'll we'll get started i think that's a good place to start here today so um First of all, um, let me go ahead and pull up our YouTube channel uh, because I want to mention kind of what what the inspiration was for this change. So uh, our Behind the Sims um Behind the Sims podcast, behind the Sims show that we do here, right? It's it's a for those that aren't aware that haven't haven't already seen this before, it's uh basically an internal look at how Saberson works kind of internally, right? The conversations that we're having as we're making updates to our app, as we're making updates to our models, um, different projects here. The first one we did was uh, mostly featuring Eric here, Eric, Andy, and I, uh, and it was ultimately us working through step-by-step step to come up with our new DFS profit plan video, which I call out all the time here. It's our contest selection and bankroll management um, 
framework, essentially, and the process of us coming up with this, doing the research to to learn what we needed to learn to put this out, uh, is documented in the Behind the Sims series for the contest selection here. Uh, the most recent one, which we've just wrapped up, was using the contest Sims that Eric basically built for our contest selection work to retest our sliders. Um, that one is actually a seven-episode long series. Um, pretty interesting, too, especially if you're interested in how we kind of overcome obstacles and how we do some of our data analysis there, because there definitely were some obstacles during this research project. But uh, it's done now, and we have readjusted our default sliders now based on our findings. Um, they are different than what you were probably seeing before. Um, so uh, with that said, um, and actually what's interesting here... Um, oh yeah, smaller slate. Okay. Um, yeah, so they are the, the updated version. So, uh, a few things we posted about this in Slack as well. Um, the main changes, I would say the the primary themes of what has changed here is correlation has come down. Ownership fade has come down. The differences between contests in general, contest has a smaller impact on the overall sliders. Um, and slate size has a bigger impact on the sliders, right? These are all things that we found based on running these contest sims. Um, so th those are kind of what we found were the, were the better options. So um, first of all, I want to, to talk about these a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit, I think primarily about the correlation, because I think the impact of this uh, is that lineups look a little bit different in terms of the stack constructions uh, than what people maybe are familiar with, both with the old sliders and just what the conventional wisdom about stacking in baseball really kind of is supposed to be. Um, this is something I've hinted at, I, I would say, over the past couple weeks on this show, um, a, a direction that I was kind of going with my lineups and really just about what are the optimal stack sizes. Right. Um, and I think there's really I think there's kind of two things going on here. So let's let's pull up these stacks and let's kind of just see what we're getting here. Right. Um, so with these new sliders, right, correlation has come down a little bit. And, and what are we going to basically see in our, our lineups here as a result of this? We're still going to heavily feature those big, sexy stack sizes that everybody kind of always talks about for baseball. Right. You've got five twos, four threes, five threes, the five stack, et cetera. But what you're probably going to start seeing a little bit more frequently in your lineups, if you're not adjusting anything else, uh, is these three stacks. Right. These were showing up already on the on the old sliders. But um these three stacks, three, two, two, right? Three, 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 two, right? These are going to start showing up probably a little bit more frequently in your lineups. Now, a couple things to note on that. Um, so the first, I think those stack sizes are somewhat underrated by the um the DFS, MLB DFS community. And I think part of the reason why the conventional wisdom is that they are bad is because on other traditional optimizers that don't natively understand correlation, right? That don't kind of inherently get correlation. You have to just give that optimizer a rule to account for correlation. And you naturally just end up saying force all five stacks, right? It wouldn't make any sense to say like force three stacks to, to a traditional optimizer because then you would get based on the fact that you have to sacrifice projection to add additional players to a stack, you would get only three stacks, right? You wouldn't get three stacks in the appropriate amount that made sense for that contest. You would just get only three stacks, right? So on a traditional optimizer, the rules basically become force five stacks in every lineup on DraftKings because that's the only tool that that optimizer has to deal with the correlation problem, right? I think that has led 
to a world where in the kind of MLB DFS content space, people are obsessed with five stacks on DraftKings because that the cart has has gotten ahead of the horse here where what was once a rule to make an optimizer build better DFS lineups has become the law about what types of lineups are good. So I believe that these three stacks, these three two twos, these three threes, these three twos, these three three twos, which I think are one of my favorite combinations of these, are a little bit underrated, especially in a world where everybody is forcing five stacks um, and four fours and four threes and things like that. And I've been featuring them. Um, but second to that, uh, and maybe the more nuanced take here, uh, is that the correlation slider on Saberson really handles a couple things. Um, and it's not really just the actual stack construction that you're getting, right? It's not just saying, you know, my correlation slider is at eight or whatever. So I'm going to get only five threes and four fours or something like that. It's it's really, it's selecting the players that are ultimately going to go into that lineup. So when you are getting, even if you went in here and said, you know, Jordan, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not bought in and I only want to play stacks that are the big uh, stack types that I've come to, to know and love here. Um, and whether you did this with your max exposures here or whether you did this with your, with, by setting a stacking rule. Let's do something like this, right? Let's just force like, let's just force big stacks, right? The versions of these stacks are going to be better now because the correlative factor, the, the correlation factor is not going to be as, as as strong, right? When the correlation factor is too strong, basically the big concern is that you can get a lot of players lower in the lineup that have less overall scoring upside showing up in your lineups purely because they correlate to other players in the lineup, Right. Basically, what I'm trying to say is now that the correlation slider has come down, even if you're the type to set stack rules or limit your your stack constructions in the post-build process, you're going to get better versions of those stacks because we're not necessarily valuing the eight and nine hole hitters as highly purely based on their correlation to the other lineups, uh, the other players in the lineup. If a player is getting in your lineups, they have to have their own independent upside as well, or they have to have more of their own independent upside as well. So um, should be a, a step in the right direction across the board. Uh, I wanted to touch specifically about correlation there right off the bat, because I know there were a lot of questions that came in over the weekend. I was talking to some people about this in Slack and some of the other uh, partner discords, and I know there were some questions in email. Um, so I think, I think really there's kind of two things at play. One is that I think the three three twos, three two twos, things like that is going to be. Um, I think those are viable stacking constructions that are underappreciated amongst the field. And two, I think your versions of the stacks you are getting, even in five threes, five twos, four threes, four fours, et cetera, are going to be better because it's not forcing in correlation as much, and instead it's allowing for just better overall quality players to show up in your lineups. So, with that said, though. Um, the actual first question that was in my queue, uh, and I, I guess last note on this, I, again, I am planning on having Matt on office hours sometime this week here to talk a little bit more about this. Those are kind of my takes. That's kind of where my my some of my gut reactions are on some of this stuff right now. Um, I'm interested to hear uh, as well wh where Matt's at, and, and that's why we're going to have him on later in the week. So um, Gus said, uh, did the new sliders apply to other sports as well, like NFL coming up? Um, yes, and actually they're already up. So if you want to see, um, I actually think NFL uh, 
I really like where the NFL ones have ended up. Um, I really like the lineups that you end up getting out of these quite a bit more. I do think we talked about this last week when we ran some of the initial builds for the week one slate. I'm going to have like 40 builds in here by the time week one actually starts just because I'm running so many of these. Um, but the, the, the sliders have the same impact here as well. Um, so correlation has come down a fair bit here. Uh, ownership fade has also come down. We'll talk a little bit about NFL with with Matt on stream. I do think the correlation slider is much better here. We're not you won't get as many of those massive stacks. Like you'll see probably less QB plus fours um, and, and kind of things like that than where it was before. Um, if you are a big fan of those secondary correlations, uh, you might actually end up preferring to turn this back up a little bit and then set like some kind of stacking rule uh, to you know. Sp- specify exactly what kind of primary stacks you want, but I think it's a lot better down here at like three. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that because our entrance stops at 50,000 and so many of the contests on DraftKings and FanDuel um, are so big for NFL, I think there is maybe an argument to pump up the ownership fade back up just a tad. Uh, Ultimately, what we did here is we used the findings that we got from our MLB back testing and applied them to NFL, but there's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation there, right? We wanted to get something up for NFL based on the results of this testing, but we're planning on doing this again in the future as a proper NFL back test. So, uh, but yes, they, they, the new sliders apply to all sports. Um, And then Adam had asked a question, um, can you talk about how the sliders and the new correlation on player level affects MLB showdown? Um, I, I think I noticed new slider settings, but could be wrong. Thanks as always. Yeah. So I actually am curious if they affected showdown at all. Um, and if they did, I think they probably had a very minor effect. So let's go look at showdown real quick. Um, let, let's go take a look. Let me see. Okay, so it looks like the impact, and this is something that I had been doing already and I've talked about quite a bit on stream. It looks like the impact for Showdown is that correlation is now just off. Um, I think this is best practice personally. Like, I think this makes the most sense. I've never liked, I, I, I've never really liked correlation being on for Showdown because I, I at the end of the day, I, I think I understand why in baseball, in such a high correlation sport, also a sport where the player pool is so long or so large, even for showdown, also a sport where the contests are a little bit smaller than something like NFL. I get the argument of having had correlation on where it's basically like, yeah, you don't necessarily need to get everything right, right? You can let that correlation factor kind of increase the overall likelihood that the lineup is a higher scoring lineup. What's going to happen now for all of your MLB showdown builds is your lineups that you will be looking at are single simulation optimals which I think is the uh, is the optimal strategy to approach showdown. Uh, you can do things from there to combat uh, duplication. You can do things from there to try to get a little bit more contrarian or target particular game scripts, but you will be working from a foundation of every lineup in your por- in your pool being an optimal for a single game sim, which I think is the, the optimal showdown strategy for any sport. So it does look like they did have a minor effect there. Um, and that I prefer that. I've mentioned here quite a bit, um, a lot of other shows here that my preferred showdown strat- settings for almost every single sport is always zero zero ten, right? Start there. Start with that foundation um, because that's that's basically what we're doing in a showdown. If you're playing the the if you're playing um, Dodgers uh, Dodgers Marlins showdown, right? That's that's basically what you're trying to do. Is how what are the different game scripts of how this game could play out, 
What are the different outcomes that are possible here? And what do the DFS lineups associated with those outcomes look like? That's what 0010 builds give you. So, um, but, um, cool. Okay. Uh, KG had asked a question here, um, about exposure. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll pivot here a little bit and we'll talk about, um, exposures. And I actually would say, you know, more specifically exposure combinations, which is an interesting question here. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit. Uh, the question says, hey, Jordan, is there a way to limit the number of lineups that contain two of the same players when I don't want to individually lower exposure of either player? Uh, for instance, on today's MLB slate, say I wanted 150 lineups where I want 60% Burns and 40% Montas, uh, but no more than 30% of both Burns and Montas. What's the most efficient way to get that? The short answer is that this is kind of challenging to get uh right now um in Saberson there isn't we obviously have the pretty robust uh exposure options overall there aren't a lot of ways to set combinations of players and limit the exposures of that um so I will give you a little bit of advice of things that I think you can try um but I think it's 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 a bit of a challenge and it's particularly a challenge if you are if you are getting a lot of two different players together in your lineups, right? Like let's say you're let's say you're just getting a ton of uh, Burns and Montas, right? Um, if you cap the exposure on both players, it will actually increase. Oh, and let's well, whatever. We're still projecting Tony Gonsolin right now. Well, that will be, he got scratched like five minutes before the stream went live. That will obviously be fixed before lock. Um, we'll just ignore that for now. Anyway, what I was saying is if you're, if you're getting a lot of like um, Corbin Burns and Montas independently, it will actually generally increase the combination that you have of both of them as you decrease their exposures, right? Um, the reason why, because they're, they're typically, you're, you're putting your, when you limit the maximum exposure to a player that you have, what it does is it's ultimately pushing in lower saber score lineups at the bottom of your of your lineup set and the top of your lineup set will end up becoming like a very concentrated basically all of your burns will be paired with montas at that point um so here's ultimately what i would kind of this is a tricky question i i think it's hard to do this to be honest i i think that the 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 ultimate answer is that it's it's kind of hard to manage your exposures for player combinations right now. I think one thing that you can do is rely a little bit more on adjusting projections instead of the exposures, which will reduce that factor of like pushing all of your trying to think about the right way to explain this. Um, it will reduce the, Im the it will reduce the effect of like all of your saber top saber score lineups having the same combinations of players, right? Um, so let's see if I can actually just kind of like show this in practice. So right now we have, if we look at our, our Corbin Burns lineups, right? 31% of them have Frankie Montas. If we reduce Corbin Burns to say, you said 60%, Now, 40% of our lineups have, of our Burns lineups, 
have Montas, right? And as we reduce that Corbin Burns exposure even more, that effect will probably continue to increase. If we want to diminish that effect a little bit here, one thing we can basically do is instead use the projections a little bit more instead of adjusting the max exposure. So if we adjust Corbin Burns to, we'll just have to try, let's try 22. That reduces him to 66%. Let's see. Okay, so the effect here isn't so so bad. I think uh, it's partially because um, Montas, um, we're not actually getting a ton of Montas anyway, right? We're only getting, I mean, obviously when we lower Burns' projection, it pushes more Montas into the build. But it's not like it's one of those slates where we're just getting two pitchers and a ton of them exclusively, right? We're actually getting pretty flat exposures to some of these other guys. Um, I guess I feel like I'm, I'm being a little bit confusing here on this particular answer. KG, I would say... At the moment, there is not like a particularly efficient way to just go in and say, for this combination of players, I only want 30%. That is something we are planning on building. I think you will find in the meantime, if you are particularly opinionated about player combination exposures and want to avoid a situation where you're getting a very different complexion of exposures when you combine certain players together, one way to do that is to adjust the player projections until you get to the exposures that you want, rather than relying as much on the, the actual exposures themselves, right? Um, so um, let me know if that helps. Happy to dive back into that a little bit more. Um, so um, all right, let's see. Uh, Troubles uh, said, hey, Jordan, thanks for all the coaching and feedback. Um, was in a bit of a rut with baseball and had more success over the weekend after dialing it back some as suggested. Someone in the uh, DK Discord. In the DK Discord? I don't even know the D DK Discord. Um, I should be in the DK Discord. Is is uh, If Sabre is running the 150 max challenge again this year, any good news to relay to them? Uh, yeah, you can let them know we are. In fact, I, I was actually working on getting that set up right before we started the stream here today. Um, so hopefully should have an announcement via our Slack um, and email, uh, probably going out this week to let people know, um, what that's going to look like, but yes, we are running that again. So, um, Skull said, Hey Jordan, are the new NFL default sliders in yet? Why are my sliders set up very low when I go to create lineups? They are. And that is why, um, what we found. So I actually Skull, if you, um, you know, Go back to the start of the stream here. I, I spent the first part of the stream talking about some of the new slider updates. Uh, the general trends, I would say, that we observed in our backtesting. And again, this was done on baseball. This was done on the MLB contest. We're planning on coming back and doing this again for NFL. But I, I think that the, the findings still apply. But the general trends is that our correlation was a little bit too high. Our ownership fade was a little bit too high. Um, and then also that we were adjusting sliders too heavily based on contest. And adjusting sliders, not enough based on slate size. We found that slate size changes the optimal sliders more than we were expecting. And that your contest type changes them less than we were previously accounting for. Um, so that that is why they are different. Um, and you'll see, I mean, we can here, we can just run a build. Um, even let's just remove, let's reset everything to basically factory settings here. Um so 20 max, you know, 50K, maybe you're playing the first down. Let's just put this back to everything back to normal here. Um, and we'll run a build. 
So um, Skull said, I'm not getting as many secondary stacks with correlation set to three. Yeah. And, and, and that is basically like part of, you know, you, 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 the one thing you have to remember is that there's, there's, in, there's technically a sacrifice anytime that you add correlation to a lineup, right? Because the perfectly correlated player to fit a given spot, say you have a, a lineup that's completely built, right? And all you're missing is a wide receiver, right? Well, there is a spectrum from the highest overall upside player that could be used in that position to the highest overall correlative player that could be used in that position. And generally, when you are correlating a lineup further, you are making a sacrifice in terms of average projection or or even upside of that individual player, right? It's not the highest possible scoring player that could have gone in there. Secondary stacks, while useful, right? They, there's, there's something often... There are often better overall upside players that can be used in those spots. So that is essentially the findings that we found here is that we were overvaluing the correlation of these players relative to the overall raw scoring upside. Now, if you want those secondary stacks, right, if you want to emphasize correlation higher, there's nothing wrong with going back to a higher correlation value. Something like five or six is going to get more of those back into your lineups. This is just what we found based on our back testing that you're, to put it as simple as possible, taking on unnecessary risk by correlating those lineups that significantly. Um, I, I mean, you'll still find that you are going to get good overall primary stacks, right? QB plus two, QB plus two, one, QB plus three, even as some of the higher featured stacks. And you're still going to get some secondary stacks, right? Saquon Barkley paired with the Giants defense. That's a secondary correlation. Um, I'm sure scrolling through here, we could probably find um, some other secondary correlations relatively quickly here. Um, Gibson and the commander's defense, again, is another example there. Um, I don't know. Um, can go through and continue to kind of try to poke some of these out here. Um, but let's see if we can find another one. Um, Jahan Dotson and Travis Etienne, right, are probably somewhat lightly correlated here. So you're still going to get them. Um, you just aren't going to get as many. And that that is essentially exactly what this was intended to do. Um, so if you want to get more of those back into your lineups, turn your correlation slider back up. And in fact, what I would recommend doing is turning your correlation slider back up and then setting a stacking rule that basically, basically like, you know, forces in whatever that primary stack type you want is, right? So something like, you know, um, maybe something like this, right? Oh, that's not what I meant to do. Sorry, messed that up. You know, if you want to force QB plus two with a one run back, right? Um, you know, set something like this as your primary stack rule to, to control for those stack sizes and turn the correlation slider back up. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just think based on, based on the findings here, uh, it was overvaluing those stack types. So, um, and you got to remember too, we talked about this the first, so when we first got these NFL Sims up, we talked about this last week, those secondary correlations are, are very minor, right? They are, they're, they're there, they're measurable, but they're minor. People often talk about NBA as a low correlation sport. It is a sport where correlations between players are approximately like negative 0.1 to 0.1, right? 
The secondary and and that and people basically refer to that as almost as if it can be ignored. I think there's a little bit of conversation about NBA correlations when it relates to players that play the exact same position, like a starting center plus a backup center um, or two studs on the same team. Right? People might refer to you know uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis as a little bit more negatively correlated, especially at the upside condition. But in general, people refer to NBA with those correlations as a low correlation sport. That is essentially the value of those secondary correlations or less, right? When people when when we think about Michael Pittman being correlated to Brandon Cooks, right? We're talking about a correlation that is like 0.06, right? Um, so when you are trying to decide what the other player, what the final other player to put into your lineups is as a wide receiver, and you're deciding between, you know, let's look at this here. Um, you know, here's like a perfect example. Um, oh, my, hang on. My browser's all locked up on me here. Okay. There we go. Okay. So let's say you are deciding between a final player going into your lineups and you can play Brandon Cooks because you already have Pittman for a 0.06 secondary correlation or you can play AJ Brown for an additional 1.5 points of overall projection, an additional five points at the 95th percentile, right? Those are the decisions that basically need to be made, right? And at, at some level, if they if these two players were projected for the exact same fantasy points, then maybe you take advantage of that additional 0.06 correlation and you might as well put Cooks in there. Or maybe even if, you know, AJ Brown is projected for slightly more fantasy points, then maybe the 0.06 correlation is worth it. But the 0.06 correlation is not worth it at all costs. And the cost of having the correlation slider too high here before was ultimately what, what ended up bringing it down. So I, I am, uh, I'm not trying to belabor the point here um, at all, but I think it's, it's a really interesting discussion. And I think it's a discussion that we actually have the opportunity to have here because of how, you know, smart really the way our correlations are handled. Right. These kinds of discussions of like the correlation trade-off of raw scoring potential or, or projection versus correlation are things that are difficult to even really think about on traditional optimizers because everything has to be programmed, right? You have to make all these decisions on a per player and per team level and per lineup level manually uh, by teaching the tool what correlations are and what correlations matter. Whereas on, on Sabersim, these things can be, you know, um discussed a little bit more. Um, on a case by case basis, I guess, and and dynamically. So, um, Skull says, but secondary stacks help a lot when the game is very high scoring. Isn't that easier than hitting every single player in your lineups if it's not correlated? Yes, but there is a balance to those decisions, right? I think that's kind of the most important point here is that you're balancing that against a player who's like. What, what, okay. So like, let's use that, that exact same example we had before, right. When we're talking about eight, like I think AJ Brown and the, um, and Brandon cooks are convenient here because they are similar priced. Right. So, right. If, if this were, if these were the projections for these two players, right. And you already have Pittman in the lineup who's correlated to Brandon cooks right? 
does it does it then make make it so that you auto automatically play cooks instead of Pittman, right? Or let's like, what if this is what if these are the projections, right? Basically, the point I'm trying to make is there's ultimately a projection breakpoint where the correlation doesn't matter anymore. And since these correlations are pretty weak between players anyway, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take very much more of a projection for a player to be more worth it, even if you're giving up that 0 0.06, 0 0.05, 0.07 correlation, right? I think that's kind of the, the point I'm trying to make here is that often people think about correlation as binary. They say correlation, it, it, two players are either correlated or maybe it's, maybe it's, um, I don't know what the, the, th the three version of that, of binary, it's not tertiary, I don't think, but, um, players are either correlated, they are uncorrelated or they are negatively correlated, right? I think that's often how things get talked about. So you might as well play two players that are correlated, but that's not really actually how it works. There's, it's a, it's a continuous spectrum of correlation and you should be earning back whatever you are sacrificing in terms of average projection every single time in the form of correlation every time you choose to play two players that are correlated instead of choosing the best overall play. And that is kind of really the, the discussion here um, is where is that breakpoint? This slider is essentially determining where that breakpoint is, right? Correlation at, at moderate is a saying, I, I guess this sounds kind of dumb, but we should be you know, our, our, the trade-off, we should have a, we should be moderately willing, I guess, to accept a lower overall projected lineup to correlate that lineup in, in NFL, right? Before it was up here. And it's all, it, it is also okay to disagree with this, right? The sliders are, the sliders are editable for a reason. I think it's perfectly fine to disagree with, with our stance. The goal here is to have defaults that build the best overall possible pool of lineups. Um, and I think they were too high before. So um, that said, another way of doing this would be to leave the correlation slider where it is and to give us some stacking rules that dictate what you want your lineups to look like, right? And maybe we say a QB plus one to two players on the same team plus a wide receiver or tight end on the opposing team plus a, this is basically like every kind of secondary correlation that I can think of, plus a running back and a same team defense plus a um, wide receiver or tight end plus an opposing running back, wide receiver or tight end, right? And then build this way. And go about it like this, right? And then you will get all the secondary correlations that you you've wanted here. Um, and similar to what we were talking about on the baseball side, um, similar to the, what we were talking about on the on the baseball side, the versions of lineups you will be getting with the new correlation slider will be better because we will not put lower overall upside players into your lineups purely because they are correlated, right? I think one thing you will notice that you should be getting a little bit less of is low projected players. When I ran, when I, I was running builds last week, um, and I would notice that a lot of times I would get a QB plus two or a QB plus three lineup where there was a player whose overall projection was pretty low, right? Like one that just pops into mind, I was getting, I was getting Matt Ryan stacks, I think partially because, um, 
Pittman himself is kind of underpriced. But a lot of times a guy like Alec Pierce or Paris Campbell is getting tossed into that lineup as well as another wide receiver on that team. Even though that player's projection was like five and a half, six and a half points, their 95th percentile was relatively low, right? That individual player didn't seem to have that much upside. Those are kind of the situations that I think will be pretty heavily improved here with the new sliders, where you're not just throwing in a lower, kind of a low salary, low upside guy because he, he, his, his, sim projection is getting bumped up so high because of his correlation and instead you're just getting a better overall player so um but let's see and and let's let this build um and this will basically just kind of this again those rules that i said are now basically just going to jam in all of those secondary correlations right so hurts this is now we're back to kind of what we were doing last week, right? Hertz, Brown, uh, Goddard, Amon Ra on the other side, Saquon plus Giants, Mark Andrews and Brees Hall. Um, is that a correlation? This is the other thing you need to be aware of uh, about these secondary correlations is that they can sometimes be so small they intuitively check out, but there's actually no correlation at all there, right? By by putting that that rule into this lineup, we basically forced that Brees Hall be used with Mark Andrews. Uh, even though there's there's essentially no correlation between those two players, right? Um, and maybe that's a matter of the way I, I set the rule, um, but that that can happen sometimes here. Um, let's let's calm down the Jalen Hurts here a little bit so we can see some other stacks. Um, so now uh, Baker, CMC, DJ Moore, David and Joku on the other side, Najee plus Steelers, and what's the other secondary stack? Robert Woods plus Saquon Barkley which is a 0.06 correlation, right? So we get a little bit of the correlation there. Um, but even these versions of these lineups are probably better than they would have what than what they would have been before. So um, So Daniel said, if you believe a game will completely go off, make the rules run a builds and find the lineups you like. Um, Make your rules. Saberson will give you the best possible lineups with them being used. Yeah, and I again, I think they will be better now, even if you are using stacking rules. The quality of your your lineup quality should have gone up with the with the change, right? Um, so, uh, Patrick said, new to NFL DFS, will the Sims take into account the scoring metrics for FanDuel and DraftKings? 0.5 PPR for FanDuel and one PPR with bonus points. If we do it, did the same build, should we have different lineups? Uh, yes, we'll we'll take we'll take that into account um, because the Basically, the scoring upside of a player is calculated via the scoring system for the site, right? So basically, we we have the sims for each individual game. And when we select those sims and bucket them to build a lineup, the, out, the, the football output of each player is converted into points via the scoring system for that site. And then that player's value for that given lineup is is essentially calculated so the scoring systems are taken into account similar question i know some folks had some questions uh regarding tennis in the slack channel um this morning here with the with the us open starting um uh mostly about the um length of matches right is there a difference is there a value to one player playing in a three set match versus a five set match that is draftkings essentially attempts to adjust that out by changing the scoring based on the length of the match. So in effect, there's not really a big difference between those players um, purely because of the match length. So 
yeah, we're always kind of filtering through the, the scoring systems of each site when we're building lineups. So um, Neil said, projection correlation ownership of the levers we need to pull. Bringbacks only focus on one of the levers have to find balance between all three. Yeah, and this is another thing. Like, again, I think there's a bit... I think there is a bit of an obsession of construction, right? Of the way that you would describe the stack. And it makes sense because that is what most tools need you to do, right? There are almost any other optimizer out there doesn't even calculate correlations between players beyond, I guess, historical averages, right? You might be able to find somewhere a matrix chart that says like QB1 is correlated to wide receiver one by this much, right? That's at best what you're going to be able to find anywhere else. So when you start talking about, okay, how do we account for correlation in lineups, that's, you start getting these binary decisions because that's what you have to, you have to program these rules to get any correlation in your lineups on other tools. You don't have to do that here, right? So even though we can describe a lineup as a QB plus two, right, that means a lot of different things depending on who the QB is and how, and who the two are. And how much you should want that construction should depend a lot more on who those players are and what the rest of the lineup looks like. So it's not really enough to say in a vacuum that, you know, a QB plus two is a, is a good lineup. Right. Um, so e- even though it like probably is on average over the long term, um, you know, than other constructions, but um Neil said, agreed in a pool of 1500 lineups, you'll still have plenty of lineups with bringbacks if that's what you want. And if that's what you want, you can also still program that in and the ultimate lineups you get out of that will still be better. So Patrick says, what was the chalk build from the Sims from week one of last season? I I don't know off the top of my head. Um, You could probably go figure it out pretty easily. Just going back to week one here, we could do a quick experiment and let this run. Um, One pretty easy way to figure out like what the chalk is is to go in and run a cash build, right? Um, And just see like maybe what the top 100 lineups are and then force like a really chalky stack construction like a QB plus one with a bring back or a QB plus two with a bring back, right? Something like this. Um, Let's do like that. Actually does a pretty good job of telling you what the chalky constructions were. So let's, uh, let's just run that and see. Um, DG said 66% of perfect lineups last year, weeks one through 18 at a secondary stack, even wide receiver versus D included, uh, granted that's just last year. And the optimal is hard to reach QB bring back was only 27%, uh, perfect, perfect lineups only. Um, yeah, I, so I assume you're talking about like actual, like true optimals. Um, just, just remember in that case, you were talking about 18 lineups. Right. I think there's a sample sample size issue sometimes there. Um, but Daniel says, I think QB stacked with bringbacks is highly overrated. I think forcing it into a hundred percent of lineups can be overrated. Right. Um, so, um, all right, let's see. So week one, what was the chalk? Um, it looks like, I don't remember this that well. Jamichael Hasty is chalk. Seems weird to me. San Francisco. 
Maybe he got like the start at the last second. I do remember Miles Sanders. So I do remember Boston Scott was really chalky. Miles Sanders got hurt in the preseason or something like that in training training camp. Um, yeah, I, I I do remember that. I don't know. I you could go run this yourself and and run some research. Um, I remember Mike Davis being really popular week one. This lineup looks a little bit more kind of familiar uh, to how I remember week one. Um, and it being very easy to get to Adams and Kelsey and, and guys like that. So, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. I don't remember the Jermichael hasty chalk. Yeah. Scott was huge. Boston Scott was huge chalk. Does anybody remember Jermichael hasty being like an elite value play last year? Um, I wonder. So Trey Sermon was out. I think that was a surprise, right? I think I remember this now, right? Like Trey Sermon was like a generally pretty hyped up rookie, and then was was inactive week one. Oh no, I know what happened here. This is just messed up. Mostert got hurt in week one, so this is. I think this is. I think because it's a twenty twenty one. Sim here. I think like it's, I think maybe the game resimmed or something like this. Yeah. Neil's right. It was Mostert, um, but he got hurt. And I think somehow this Sim is kind of this data we have in here for last, last year's week one is, is almost post to that. Um, so yeah. And then Eli Mitchell and so on. Yeah. That is one thing to be a little bit just aware of here. I think sometimes that can happen with like our old historical data. Um, is like especially if especially for like uh news that breaks during the afternoon window, right? Like before the afternoon games start, if you go back and you're like, "Hey, I want to run some practice builds." Um and bef- after the early games lock, but before the afternoon games start, we got like big news that changed the slate. If you come in here and try to run some builds after, it's going to be as if you had that information ahead of time. It doesn't really have a big it doesn't really have a huge impact, right? Um, at the end of the day, but something to be aware of. So, yeah. Anyway, but you might as well just start building for for week one of this year, right? Because we got them up. So, anyway, any other questions for here me for me here? Um, let me go ahead and um, let's see. Um. Just some questions in Slack while I've just been like talking about these uh, these NFL stacks. Um, this is from uh, from Jimmy. Um, when you run your research build, have you ever considered slash thought about using the difference of pool exposure versus ownership to figure out how much to be over or under the field player and team stack exposures MLB? Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's like one of yeah one of the the better like tools. Now let me be let me be clear. I. What I'm not saying is like calculating that actual exact number and and using that, even though that might still work okay. Um, but yeah, the the difference between your pool exposure and a research build versus ownership is like the is probably the primary thing that I'm looking at when running a research build, right? So let's run one of these here for tonight's slate and just see. Um, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's like one of the biggest 
one of the biggest, if not the biggest takeaway from running a research build is basically to see how, how sharp the, the chalk is, um, or, or how, not even how sharp, the, I, I guess how inefficient the ownership is. So, um, but yeah, again, the, the one point I would make is like, if you have a minus 20% difference between ownership and optimal rate in your research build, I don't know if that necessarily means to me that you want to be 20% under the field. I think that might actually be a decent approximation. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, actually. Um, but I don't think there's any reason to believe that those numbers are like, that that's mathematically what those numbers mean. Um, so anyway, um, but that is that is essentially, right, like this, this would imply um, that Corbin Burns is at least worth, worth a shot as a fade here based on these numbers. Now, I think there's I, I, I think there's still some things at play. I think there's still some other things that you need to consider. One being that Corbin Burns is by far the most likely to be optimal pitcher and is almost double the next best overall pitcher on the slate, right? By fading him or being under the field on him, you're giving up a player who has a 40% chance to be the highest overall pitcher on the slate, right? Uh, I have been preferring, instead of running these research builds lately, to just run a build for the contest that I'm playing and then look at the pool exposure of that build, which I think will avoid a, avoid situations where you're like auto-fading all of the best plays all of the time. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like definitely one of the main things I like to look for when I'm running those builds, so... Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, KG said, how did I end up on the stacks? Um, how did I end up on the stacks that I binked with yesterday? I will show you. Um, it was on FanDuel. Um, but I will just, I will literally just show you the process. It was not very involved. In fact, I didn't even... I didn't even really make an intentional effort to leverage against ownership like at all. Um, all I did is I, I built lineups on default settings. Um, and then I lowered my, basically I lowered my um, exposure to each, to individual batters significantly because I felt like it was a slate where, actually here, I'll just, you know what we'll do? Let's cancel this build and let's just go back to yesterday so I can actually give a better a better demo of actually the, the slate. Actually, you know what? Let's just do this. Hang on one sec. Um, let me, I should have that build still. Let me go find the build. I've been running, I've been running pretty hot too. Um, I have been, pretty fortunate recently um, because uh, I've just had a good run. I had the worst start to the baseball season. I know I mentioned that um, last week as well, but it, it is it was on pace for like my worst MLB DFS season that I've almost ever had. Uh, and then the past couple um, past couple weeks have just been like very kind. So let me pull up. I'm trying to pull up this build here. Um, real quickly so I can show how I did this. 
and I will try not to reset any exposures here. Because last time, last time I did a, a walkthrough of a winning build here, um, I accidentally reset all of my exposures, um, and then, then not really a lot of a point of walking through a build at the, at that point. So, hang on. Thank you for your patience, everybody. We'll get this up here in in just a second. My um, computer is pretty slow here today. Okay, reset. Okay, here it is, I think. Okay, okay, this is what I did here. So this is the build, um, was default settings, the new default settings. It was 527 for large field. Uh, I built everything together. It was all on the 150 max, 10 to 50K. Uh, profit plan had me playing 357 unique lineups, um, which is awesome, I think. Um, it's like a part of why I think uh, been having some of this success. It just makes it easy to, you know, the, the lineup that ended up winning yesterday. So I won the, I won the quarter right? Um, on, on FanDuel. It was $500, right? Beats out four, 48,000 other entrants, right? There's probably no way I have that lineup if I just played the same 150 into everything, right? And if, yes, if that lineup one ended up in the $4, which I was also entered into, it would have been five grand instead of $500. But I still had a 4X-ish day yesterday because I had access to a lineup because of how many unique lineups I was playing here. Um, so what did I do? Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I'm still, well, I am happy to play some of these three, 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 two, twos, three, three, twos, three, twos, et cetera. Some of these smaller stack constructions. I still think playing a lineup that has at least a three stack makes some sense. So I X'd out some of these smaller stack constructions down here. Um, and then honestly, when I was going through, I played Max Scherzer in 100% of my 357 lineups yesterday. Um, the main reason being on FanDuel where you only need to play one pitcher, I didn't think I needed to overcomplicate it, right? I was looking at this pool here, this pool exposure over here, and Max Scherzer was in 54% of my lineups. Every other pitcher, the Verlander was the next best 15% likelihood of being in one of these lineups. And then the next one was five, right? I just, there was such a drop off here I got, I was getting hundred percent. I didn't make that decision. I was getting hundred percent Max Scherzer regardless. And I just didn't feel like it was a situation that I needed to di diversify, especially coupled with the fact that pit hitters were, all, were super flat. So I did notice this weird drop off where like Soto was in 28% of my lineups. Um, and then the next best overall player was in 20% max of my lineups. So I set some max exposures basically using that, um, I must have missed Peralta here uh, because clearly I ended up having 32% Peralta, which I, I didn't realize I I did. Um, but I ended up basically – oh, I missed a couple players. It looks like I missed some – some. Uh, it looks like I didn't come back in and filter this correctly. Um, but my goal here was basically to have a rough maximum of any one hitter of about 20% with the exception of being willing to have 28% Juan Soto. Um, and that basically just ended up getting me on the stacks that I got on here. Um, I had quite a bit of Pittsburgh, um, which I think I can't, I can't remember what the actual final winning lineup was. Um, 
but I think it was like a 3-2-2. Oh no, it was this lineup. This was the this was the highest scoring lineup. Um so I mean, just kind of handed added the right combinations of players. Um, but all I really did was managed all I really did was adjusted player exposures to manage risk um and otherwise kind of built with with mostly defaults. So that was a that was a thank you Saberson bank for sure. I didn't I didn't feel uh, as responsible for that one, um, but um, okay. Let's get caught up on some other questions here and get back. Um, okay. Okay, let me get caught up on some of these other questions here coming in. Uh, Patrick had said, I just wanted to compare last year's chalk to this year Jalen Hurts chalk. Yeah, and I, I don't think he'll be like out of control. I think 20% maybe or so will be realistic there. Um, it looks like Saversim does really like the Eagles uh, so far this week. I think it's... it's um, I think uh, it's... um. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. I think Saberson really likes the Eagles. I think that will come down a little bit as we get a little bit closer. Again, these are super very early projections. Um, I like to spread out quite a bit on my stacks in NFL. I, I typically get exposure to a lot of different teams. Uh, Daniel says, opinion on using the duplication formula and trying to avoid other Saberson users. Two things on that. One, I I wouldn't think so much about trying to avoid other Saberson users. We're in a little bit of a bubble here. Uh, and the reality is that... I think on the sports and contest types where avoiding duplication is important, you should be thinking about avoiding duplication at large rather than specifically trying to avoid duplication with our little like smaller subset of, of, of players here. Uh, mostly because Sim Precision does a very good job of diversifying you already, right? This the, the, It is unlikely of our 10,000 simulations we have of each game that you're almost ever going to pull the exact same set of Sims out as another given player, even when bucketing by 11 Sims. And there are sports where you have a chance of duplicating other Saberson users, but those are sports and contest types where you have a chance of duplicating anybody. And I, I, it's kind of, I guess this is almost semantics, but I sometimes people say, hey, how do I avoid duplicating other Saberson users? And I always push back on that just out of principle, because I think you either should be worrying about duplicating period or not at all. Um, but with that said, duplication formula, I assume you're talking about ownership product. Um, I think ownership product is a very good approximation for duplication. Um, but um, the problem with that is that you're essentially using the formula for calculating like multiple independent events taking place, right? That's what that is. That's the, you know, if... Uh, Event A is event is completely uncorrelated from event B. What is the probability of both of them happening? Well, it's the mul it's multiplying them together, right? Players using two different players in their DFS lineups are not perfectly uncorrelated, right? Using a quarterback for an NFL showdown, for example, somebody using a quarterback in their captain spot increases the probability that they're using pass catchers of that quarterback elsewhere in the lineup. And uh, ownership product misses that nuance. So that's probably the most important thing I would be aware of there is that I think it's a good approximation. I don't think it is completely like mathematically correct. Um, so 
Uh, Neil says, is the Minimax challenge going to be different from last year or same contest? Same contest. It will be the Minimax. Um, it, it's change. It will change a little bit. Um, so I think, I think it should be better. Um, I think it should be, uh, more exciting. Um, there will be details to come. I don't want to spoil anything on this stream. We're, we're, we, we will likely be announcing that with full details this week. So, um, Josh said, who's the starting pitcher for the pirates? I have no idea. Uh, is it in here? Bryce Wilson looks like at the moment subject to change potentially. So, um, Jimmy says, I find it so interesting that you just adjust certain player exposures and let the team stacks fall where they may. Maybe I'm tinkering too much by what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, part of, part of the reason for that, again, I, I've mentioned it before that to me, stacks are descriptive rather than like prescriptive of a lineup, right? I, I feel like saying I want 30% of a stack is kind of a weird thing to say because you don't, a lineup isn't a stack. A stack describes what is in a lineup. So I, I know I've mentioned that before on stream. It's just kind of the way that my head works about it. The other thing is that by limiting your um, player batter exposure instead of stack exposure, you do sometimes allow for line, for more diverse stacks on the teams that deserve it, right? Like if you have the Cardinals who have a 5.4 run total, they probably have way more unique ways of stacking this team in a way that is still high upside because the bottom of the order players are, are also generally well projected, right? So you may cap every player at 30% or 20% and still have 40% Cardinal stacks because there's so many different ways to stack this team up. Whereas if you cap every player at 20 or 30%, you may only get to, you know, um, I don't know, maximum 20% Cub stacks or less than that even, but like maximum 20% because there's only a few ways to stack up those, right? There's not as many opportunities um, to, to play those players, or there's not as many opportunities to stack up the Cubs in a high upside way, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. So um, I just, I, I, I don't think there's, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with editing team exposures. I think that's fine. And I've done, I've done that a little bit as well, especially sometimes to target leverage or, or things like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it just makes more sense for me to, to do that on individual hitters. So, um, all right, let's see uh, a couple other questions here. Um, troubles had asked as well. About EU Masters, uh, said League of Legends EU Mastered fired up with some overlay today on the 30k guaranteed. Any chance we eventually see projections for that, or is that a log shot? Says need more data. Yeah, I can't remember. I think there is some. There was some data problem with us being able to run Sims for for Masters. I remember hearing about that last year, around this time last year. I know since since then um, we have updated the League of Legends Sims. So they may be able to do that now. I, I'll have to follow up with the team on that and see. Um, I, let me look. I can't remember what's going on here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll have to follow up on that and figure out and, and ask the team and see if that's something that we can support in the in the future. Um, but, um, okay. Eagles has a question here about the entry editor here, um, and said in the manager entries file, 
Uh, after I set up, say, 40 lineups, then later I want to change to 60 lineups. How do I go about doing that? Um, okay, so let's say, let's pull up the slate here for this. So it, it kind of depends on um, like what, what step of the process you're at here. But let's just get my entries file loaded. Okay, so this is my entries file. So I have 144 entries right now, right? So if later I go back and decide I want to play in more contests, how do I upload? How do I update this? All you have to do is go and enter those contests on DK, and then just upload a new entries file once you're entered. So you can then go to upload new entries file, download a new template file from DraftKings, re-upload that, and you'll have the new entries loaded in there. Um, if you mean that you want, like, maybe you just want more lineups in a given lineup set, you can do that on a given build here. So we can be, you know, say that this lineup set is 144, right? So this is the this is the lineup set that I'm actually going to use for those original entries. What? That seems like that wasn't right. Okay. So say this is our original lineup set. And then later we enter into another 20 entries, right? To change this now to a 164 lineups, all we would do is just change this number. And now it's 164 lineups. So if you're entering new contests, just upload a new entries file. You can also do that from here, right? Um, upload new entries right here. So kind of depends on what, what part of the process you're at there, but. Will said, any chance of being able to run, run run Premier League soccer sims or FanDuel? Probably not this season, unfortunately. Um, soccer's on our list. It is a sort, sport that we want to uh, have simulations for in the future. Honestly, it's probably pretty high up there now. Tennis was a big priority for us this year. Um, that's up now, obviously. I think um, soccer and college football and college basketball are probably the three next sports that we really want to prioritize getting simulations for. So I would say that we are cautiously optimistic about getting to some of those hopefully next year. Um, but for the, the 2022 seasons of each of those college football, soccer and college basketball, I don't think we're going to have them for this year. So um, the slates will be loaded up into the app if you want to upload your own custom projections and use our optimizer to build lineups, uh, but no sims, unfortunately. So, um, but all right, cool. Any other questions here uh, for me on today? This is uh, this one went quick. I feel like sometimes I like blink and we're already at an hour um, and uh, we're, we're almost wrapping up. Um, it's because I got it's because I got going on a correlation rant here on today's stream. Um, I've been thinking about that all weekend, honestly. Like I'm not even the 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 correlation versus um, kind of. I, I, I hate using the word projection because I feel like it has a bad, like, I don't like the connotation of the word projection, but correlation versus raw scoring upside, I think is a, is a better way of looking at it and what that uh, interplay looks like. Um, but I think, you know, really 
And I know coming from somebody that has used this argument in our other content before, I think one thing that I've learned as a part of this slider process is that I think the way of thinking of correlation, making your lineup safer, right? Having to get less right is somewhat wrong, actually. I think that's actually almost a wrong way of looking at it because you almost always sacrifice raw scoring potential to gain correlation, right? Like a, a lineup, unless you don't have to, right? If it's a slate where there's like one team that's projected for eight runs or in cores or something like that, and it just so happens that the best overall projected lineup is a Dodger stack, so be it. But typically to correlate a lineup further than what is just the projection optimal requires you to make projection sacrifices, right? Same way ownership works, right? To lower the ownership of your lineup, you typically have to sacrifice projection. So you are taking on additional risk to do that. Now you are gaining upside, which is a good thing, but there's a balance how much risk you need to take on, how much upside you need to gain, and therefore how much risk you need to take on for that given contest you're playing. So I think when people say you're getting less right, you have to get less right in your lineups by correlating. And again, I know I know we have videos on our YouTube channel where I literally say that. So this is, I mean, again, I'm I'm, I'm always learning too as, as we go further down this process. But I think that implies that you're adding safety to a lineup, right? Or increasing the likelihood of that lineup hitting a certain score. And I, I think that's actually not necessarily the perfect way to look at it. Um, and that's part of the reason why that correlation slider has, has come down. So um, Patrick says, how'd you do in golf? I didn't play golf this week. Um, did not play golf. So how did you do in golf? Um, I, I was following along on Sunday. Um, that was quite a Rory run out. That was pretty, pretty exciting to watch. Um, I didn't get to watch too much of the tournament overall, but I did follow along on Sunday. Um, I know on data golf at the end of round three, Scotty had like a 90% chance to win. Um, so being a, a 10%, less than a 10% chance to win the tournament dog and then coming back to win is, is pretty amazing. So, um, but anyway. All right. I am going to go ahead and wrap us up there. I will be right back here again tomorrow, two o'clock Eastern for another episode of Office Hours. I will announce uh, in Slack when we have a day set for Matt to come on and talk about the sliders. I kind of feel like I want to get that in uh, sooner rather than later, um, especially since there is just a lot of excitement and conversation about these new sliders here. Um, I, I think it'd be good to have that stream happen sooner rather than later. So uh, stay tuned for that. Either way, we'll have a stream tomorrow at two o'clock Eastern. Um, in the meantime, enjoy the baseball slates tonight. Good luck if you are playing tennis this week here. Um, and keep an eye on the fact that the lock times for these two slates are separate. Um, for 4.40 my time for DraftKings, 7.07 or 5.07 on FanDuel. So pay attention to those locks tonight. Um, but in the meantime, see you tomorrow. Take care.